It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, Panthers Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, where you can get 10% off your first Built Bar box by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code Locked On and a lot of great flavors there to choose from, like mint chocolate cream, uh, chocolate brownie, peanut butter, a lot of good stuff there. And again, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you get 10% off your sample box. So go check them out. Rolling through these division crossovers this week, yesterday, of course, we talked about the Los Angeles Chargers. Today, we talk with our boy Q. He's usually your boy Q, but today he's our boy Q. Uh, sharing the love with the Panthers and the Las Vegas Raiders, who had a very busy offseason. Uh, certainly, of course, the biggest move is moving to a new city, leaving the city of Oakland, now, of course, in Las Vegas. Uh, but player-wise and uh, on-field-wise, very busy offseason as well there, too. And uh, Q gave a lot of great info on what's been going on with the Raiders and what we can kind of expect from the Raiders uh, this this regular season, especially when they meet up with the Carolina Panthers. So, good stuff here. So, hope you enjoy it. Here's my talk with our boy Q talking about the Panthers and the Raiders. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, guys? Welcome to another crossover edition here this week on the Locked On Podcast Network. Bill Rossetti of Locked On Panthers here with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders. And, of course, this episode being brought to you today by our friends over at Built Bar, who want to remind you that you could visit BuiltBar.com to get, and use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box. And I tell you what, I... Had one of the bars the other day, and it was quite delicious, very chocolatey. So thanks to Built Bar for their support. So again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, gets you $10 off your first box. Uh, Q, how's it going, man? Good to finally be working with you here. You know, this is uh, you know my fourth year doing the team, but first time we're getting to the AFC West, so glad to get to work with some of you guys for the first time here. Yeah, man, this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to this crossover edition because low-key, as much as I cover the, the Raiders like a glove and I'm all over it, man, low-key, I really, really am intrigued by the Panthers. So I'm excited to talk to you. Matt Rule, just, just to let you know right now, Matt Rule is my guy. Uh, as I work at ESPN Central Texas, uh, that's the Baylor flagship station, and obviously he was at Baylor the last three years. And I uh, love the guy to death. I think he's a great coach, and I think he's going to do some good things in Carolina. So uh, very excited to talk to you and get your thoughts on it as well and on what he's going to do, bring to the team. Uh, again, like I said, he's a really, really good dude, man, and uh, I wish him the best. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely have to touch into that since you seem to definitely have a little bit of um, 
you know, more inside talk with him as well. But um, obviously we're here to talk about uh, the Panthers and the Raiders here too. So we'll start with, you know, getting your thoughts on the Raiders, letting the Panthers nation get some insight on how the Raiders have been doing this offseason. Obviously, uh, you know, a lot going on with the Raiders, you know, certainly not a – not a small token of that or the, of those moves this offseason is the fact that they're moving to a new city. They are no longer the Oakland Raiders. And I tell you what, man, it is still so weird to me to say Las Vegas Raiders. I know you've been covering them for a while. Have you gotten used to saying Las Vegas Raiders yet? <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, I catch myself slipping a lot, and I'll say the Oakland Raiders, and I'll say, oops, I mean the Las Vegas Raiders. I uh-huh. think it's one of those – you know, I mean, situations similar to the Chargers and the Rams, and you just kind of get caught up. You know, you've been saying it for so long. So I, I kind of get, get myself caught slipping sometimes. But what I will say is if there's a team that would do well in Vegas, it would be the Raiders. So it's almost fitting that it is the Raiders, and it's kind of like their their identity. You know, I mean, as much mm-hmm. as Oakland was their identity, as much as L.A. was their identity, now Las Vegas, Sin City, why wouldn't the Raiders be there? You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, certainly, uh, certainly disappointing that uh, the that we missed out on actually having the draft in Vegas, but um, they'll get their chance again in two years. But uh, let's talk about you know some of the stuff on the field. You know, some of the we'll start with some of the free agency moves here, and then we'll transition over to the draft, kind of get up to speed here on the Raiders. Uh, they were certainly very busy in free agency this off season. Uh, for one, they really reworked. That linebacker room. They signed Corey, Little, Corey Littleton from. Uh, ironically, we just talked about the Rams with these uh, city with these uh, team moves here. Uh, they signed Corey Littleton from the Rams, and they also signed uh, Nick. I'm, all, I'm always going to screw up this name. Kiewitkowski. Kiewitkowski. Yeah. It seems so, so much easier than the, you would think, right? Uh, right? Signed him from from the uh, from the Chicago Bears. Uh, re-signed Kyle Wilber. So definitely made a lot of moves. At the the linebacker spot, uh, Carl Nassib of the Bucks, another guy they brought in. Marcus Mariota, of course, one of the highlight names to back up Derek Carr or maybe Star. We'll get we'll get your thoughts on that in a little bit. But uh, overall, here, uh, what what were your thoughts on the uh, the Raiders' free agency? Because like I said, they seem to be very busy. They seem to really want to start making some moves here. Obviously, being in the division that they're in, they have some catching up to do. Um, how good of a job do you think they've done so far, at least from the free agency standpoint? Well, I think that they you hit it on the head when you said they were very active in free agency, and they were. And, you know, that's a result of past drafts not being very good and the Raiders having to avoid a talent. And so they had to go out and they had to spend money to get guys in that are talented that can compete in the AFC West. You mentioned Littleton. You mentioned Nick Kukowski. And, that linebacking core was awful. You know, last year's linebacking core was not very good. Matter of fact, uh, no disrespect, but you got one of the guys that the Raiders had as a linebacker, yep. as Tahir Whitehead. He's mm-hmm. back uh, He's back with Matt Rule, his former uh, head coach at Temple. But Tahir Whitehead gave a lot of effort, but a lot of times when he made those tackles, he was trailing the play. You know, he was, he was given the effort. He was always available. He was never injured. I mean, he was a great player, great teammate. He just wasn't the guy that was a dominator from the linebacking position. So they just had to get better. They had to get more dynamic. They had to get faster. They had to get guys that were able to make plays as far as covering tight ends and, and making some interceptions and turning the ball over. You know, that's something that Corey Littleton is going to be able to do. Nick Wachowski, on the other hand, he's going to kind of be the general of that uh, that defense right there in the middle. So I'm excited about what they bring to Paul Gunther's defense. But 
this is all a result of not drafting very well in the previous year, no matter who it was, the previous regime, or even John Gruden in his first year. If you have to go out and spend a ton of money and really overhaul your team throughout free agency, that means that your draft hasn't been very good. So that's where Mike Mayock comes in, and, and hopefully he'll continue to have really good drafts. Uh, what it looks like on paper this year that they had a really good draft, but only time will tell. I know what they did in 2019 was great. You know, that was a good foundation and a good building block for the Raiders. But uh, now they're going to have to continue to do that year after year and build that depth up so they don't have to go out and be crazy spenders in free agency. But I think as far as competing and putting a really good team on the field, that's exactly what they set themselves up for. You know, again, uh, Nassif is going to be a big-time player, I think, a guy that's going to be able to get after the quarterback and stop the run, a guy that comes from the division that you're, uh, you know, you're, you're very much paying attention to, the mm-hmm. NFC South of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know him very well. You know, you know what he's capable of doing. And uh, Marcus Mariota, you mentioned him. I think that that's a good addition as well for multiple reasons. You know, it's a good addition to have a really good backup in the league. I think the Eagles proved that a few years ago when they had Nick Foles. And uh, when Carson Wentz goes down, Foles is able to lead the charge and lead them to a Super Bowl victory. But not only that, similar to what happened to Marcus last year, if he's not off to a good start and he being Derek Carr, if he's not off to a good start, you know, Marcus could be the guy that can come in in case of emergency break glass and, and still win you some games. He's not going to lose you some games because he's not ready. He's a veteran. He's won a playoff game before, something Derek Carr hasn't done. So uh, he'll be there and be able to, to carry it if, if need be. You know, it's still Derek Carr's team. I feel confident in saying that. Uh, but I, I do feel confident in saying there's a really good backup in Marcus Mariota there uh, just in case uh, he's needed. So I'm uh, pretty excited about the offseason moves. And I think by the way of free agency, by the, by the additions that they made, it allowed them to be more flexible during the draft and allowed them to not be so predictable. Everyone knew that they were going to go get a wide receiver, but nobody knew what they were going to do after that. You know, And I think mm-hmm. that the Raiders did a really good job of navigating through the draft and getting players in need getting guys that can make that offense and defense more dynamic. And so uh, I think by doing what they did in free agency, it set them well up for the draft that, like you said, should have been in Las Vegas. It wasn't. Uh, hopefully we'll see it there in a couple of years in 2022. And mm-hmm. I hope they'll be on hand for that because I really missed out on, on a good opportunity to be in Vegas. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. Hope, hope that's for you too. And, you know, speaking of that 2020 draft, like you said, obviously we expected them to go wide receiver early with one of the two first-round picks, and they did with, with Henry Ruggs. You know, might have surprised some people that Ruggs was the first receiver taken, but, you know, I'm not too surprised. Obviously Ruggs brings a lot of speed. My first thought was this This has, you know, God rest his soul, but this felt like it had Al Davis written all over it, you know, that speed wide receiver just like all those years ago when they took Darius Hayward Bay, but I think Henry Ruggs is going to bring a lot better – a lot better ability than uh, than Darius Hayward Bay did. Um, but like you said, we figured they'd go receiver, but we didn't know what they'd do after. And they go and they draft what felt like a million wide receivers throughout the draft. In fact, if I remember correctly, they had two back-to-back picks in the third round, and I believe they were both wide receivers in Lynn Bowden and Brian Edwards. Right, and they they said that they said that Bowden was going to be a uh, they were going to put him at the running back position because he could do so many multiple things. But I think yeah. that he's just a Swiss Army knife, you know, a guy that can yeah. be a running back, a guy who can line up in the slot, a guy who can go catch an end around, a guy who can line up in the Wildcat if he has to and throw the rock a little bit. I think he's a very dynamic chess piece. He's almost like that wild card, you know. If you need something, if you need a hail mary, and, and I don't mean just to play a hail mary, I just mean like a a, a play that you pull out of the, the back of your hat and say, okay, let's see if they're ready for this. I think that uh, that Bowden Jr. is going to be the guy that's going to do that. Edwards, I like that pick as well because he's a big body. He's a guy that where Henry Ruggs lacks in the in the size, but he makes up in speed. 
Well, Edwards will make up in the size. He's that big red zone threat. Uh, I think he opens up the offense as well and, and makes it so everyone's not so so keyed in on one guy and also opens up the, the run game for Josh Jacobs. I think with what the Raiders did in, in, uh, in the draft really is going to help Josh Jacobs th- this next year where he won't be running against a loaded box all the time. They're going to have to respect the speed of Ruggs, the size of Edwards, the ability of Waller. I mean, there's, there's weapons now all over the field where at first it was a very predictable offense. You knew what it was going to be, run, run, dump off, run, run, dump off. Now it's like, hold up, man. Now they have an opportunity to be really dynamic offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I, I think that that athletic ability, you know, that dynamic, this in a way probably feels like they know that, hey, we have to catch up. We have the defending champs in our division. We've got to catch up to them. And, you know, I, I even talked when we did the, the Chargers crossover, I mentioned this too. I said there is a lot of speed now throughout this entire division, especially on the offensive side of the football. You've got – you know, we like you just said with Rugs and them on the Raiders. You've got Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs. Uh, the Broncos went out and got speed in the draft. You know, they got the big receiver in Jerry Judy, and then they, they took uh, KJ Hamler in the second round. And even the Chargers have some nice weapons as well. So th- this, to me at least, with the Raiders, feels like they're just trying to catch up to the Chiefs. And I, I thought overall they had they had a pretty nice draft. Um, like we said, we talked about all the receivers, but a guy I want to get your thoughts on too before we kind of move on, Damon Arnett was, you know, the kind of the stunner pick for me. You know, not that I thought he was a bad player. I just didn't – I was just surprised they went in the top 20. But the Raiders were obviously in a bit of a tough position because clearly they were very high on Damon Arnett, and their next pick wasn't until that 80th pick where they took Lynn Bowden. Arnett was not going to be there. So – and I think I read this somewhere. It put Mayock in – quite the pickle. So what were your thoughts when the pick was actually made that it was actually Damon Arnett going 19th overall? And how does he end up fitting in this defense? Yeah, I mean, it was a surprise to everybody. You know, there's actually a video floating around of me on draft day, and uh, my wife was recording it, and I thought it was going to be a corner or a safety. I didn't know who it was going to be. The guy I picked, uh, A.J. Terrell, he had already gone a couple picks higher to the Falcons, Mm -hmm. so I thought, well, it's not going to be him. So I didn't know exactly who it was going to be. And so when they called Damon Arnett, I said, whoa. You know, I was I was super surprised because, like many, I didn't expect them to be calling his name that high. But I, I tried to tell people, because he wasn't on my radar at 19, doesn't mean he wasn't a good pick at 19. You know what I mean? It just means that right. I wasn't paying attention to him. And, you know, I, I after doing a lot of research, I like what he brings to the table. I'm excited. You know, you mentioned that this draft, or at least the wide receivers, felt very Al Davis-like. I'm not going to lie. This pick as well felt very Al Davis-like. Matter of fact, the draft felt like vintage Al. You know, he was looking for the faster, the stronger, the bigger guys. He was looking for those, but also football players. When Al got a little bit later in his life, he started picking the faster guys like like a DHB, like a Darius Hayward Bay, that weren't necessarily football players. He was looking for the Bruce Campbells that were really strong, but not really offensive line guys, you know, that are defensive line guys. They weren't really real players. They just were workout warriors. Well, I think John Gruden and Mike Mayock got back to vintage out where he was not only getting the fast guy and the strong guy, but he was getting the, the football player as well. And, and Arnett, man, this guy is a, a very physical dude at the line of scrimmage. And if you go back, man, that's – that's old school Al Davis, man, bump and run, beat him up on the line of scrimmage, and basically challenge you to, to go down the field on him. And I, I think if you go back and look at Raiders' defenses over the past few years, what they've been missing the most besides good football players are guys with attitudes, guys that are just dudes, you know, guys that 
challenge you and step out there on the field and say, you know what, I'm the baddest mother effer on this field, and you're not going to beat me. You know what I mean? And, and, <laughs> I and look, David Arnett's only a rookie, and Jonathan Abram only played in one game, and Amik Robertson is only a rookie as well. But guys like that, they carry that vintage swagger, that vintage mm-hmm. – you know, that just tough guy mentality, almost that I'm going to try to intimidate you and bully you. Now, again, you can't just go out there and, and act, act the act. you got to be able to, you know, perform as well, and that's going to be their job. But those guys are starting to bring that image, that old-school feel of, of the Raiders back where, where defenses or offenses were concerned about going against them because, look, these are some nasty cats, man. They're going to they're gonna beat you up, and you're going to earn every yard you get, every touchdown you get, you're going to earn it. That's the kind of guys I see. That's the vision I'm starting to see with what Mike Mayock and John Gruden are doing. Again, they got a long ways to go, and they've got to go out there and execute it and earn those kind of titles. It can't just be given because of the way they sound or they look. But that's the feel that I get from those guys. So I think Arnett is a perfect fit for the Raiders and, the, and what they want to do on defense with Paul Gunther and that defensive, uh, that defensive unit. Yeah, and listen, I was touting Arnett as a guy I like too as a, as a possible pick for the Panthers. So, like I said, it's not like I'm hating on the player. I, I right. like Arnett. I think you know it was just kind of surprising. It was a shock. It was definitely a shock, you know, especially in the media because obviously we want our hot takes. Everyone needs an immediate reaction. So there's right. that. Um, so overall, um, what are the Panthers going to see when the Raiders come to town, whenever that is this fall? Man, well, I believe they're going to see a heavy dose of the run game, like like always. You know, John Green's still going to uh, butter his bread with uh, with the run game. So Josh Jacobs is going to be very, very active. The offensive line is still big, strong, and nasty, you know, led by Richie Incognito, Rodney Hudson, Trent Brown. You know, uh, maybe Gabe Jackson, maybe he's moved before the season. I'm not sure, but uh, that offensive line is solid. So they're going to they're gonna give you a heavy dose of the run game for sure. But now they have the opportunity to, to spread it out, and they have the opportunity to – to, you know, make some, some quick passes to Ruggs and let him get those slants and, and get the yards after the catch. A lot of people look at Henry Ruggs' speed and just say, oh, he's a deep threat. Well, really, if you go back and look at what he did at Alabama, he caught a lot of those crossing patterns. He caught a lot of those slants and just has the speed to take it to the to the house. So uh, there's, there's going to be that weapon right there. Darren Waller proved last season that he could be an absolute stud and a, a big-time weapon. So uh, they're going to have multiple – ways of getting you, you know, beating you. And so I think that this offense should be much improved. And it was pretty stinking good last year. It just got a little bit – as a matter of fact, it got a lot of bit, uh, you know, you, you're able to call it out. You're able to – predictable, very predictable. That's the word I'm looking for. And uh, I think now it's going to be one of those where you're going to have to earn what you, what you do against them because they're going to have multiple – ways that they could beat you and you know and, and that's not necessarily saying that Marcus Mariota won't be on the field either at times just to you know just to kind of throw things off maybe in a a, a package here or a package there uh, Bowden Jr. could do the same thing I mean there's a lot of different options that the Raiders have offensively so that that's what the Panthers will see offensively and defensively I think it's going to be a a bump and run team a team that's going to attempt to to beat you up and be a hard-hitting team as legal as possible uh, but I think you're going to see a little bit of nasty from the Raiders defense and uh, that's something that I'm excited about something that they need to get back to absolutely yeah this would be an intriguing matchup when they get to the 
when they get to the Raiders on their schedule. All right, before we flip it around and talk about the Panthers here, uh, I want to give a shout-out to another one of our great sponsors real quick for you guys. Hey, guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club pick for May. Then anytime in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alkajoshi. A do- donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So guys and gals, buy the henna artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Podcast Network. Right now, got the crossover, the division crossover going on, talking all things Panthers, talking all things Raiders, having a really good conversation, doing that right now with the uh, host of Locked On Panthers, Bill Rossetti. You can find him on Twitter, at Bill underscore Rossetti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E, and Bill, I'm excited about talking to you about the Panthers. I kind of told you that in the last segment, excited about what Matt Rule could bring to the table. So first and foremost, man, what is the mood and the temperature like with the Panther fan base now that Rule's the head coach? He's obviously made some changes with the roster, most notably getting rid of fan favorite and team captain Cam Newton, but he's, he's really turned over the roster already. What is the temperature right now with the current fan base? Yeah, I think the fan base obviously understands that – you know, this is a long rebuild queue. And the the thing is, you know, they – it was obviously tough to let go of Cam Newton, especially not getting anything in return for him. You know, it was definitely a bittersweet day. Um, but we knew that day was coming, right? We, did, we didn't think of you this year, but we knew eventually the day would come that Cam Newton would no longer be a part of this franchise because he was entering a contract year anyway, uh, and it was – all but likely that he was going to be gone by 2021. So, you know, the, the Panthers have been such an interesting team to follow this offseason because, you know, on the one hand, you know, one day it feels like they have a plan, the next day it feels like they don't, you know, depending on who they're signing, who they're not signing, what kind of money they're given, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, it, it's been a roller coaster of an offseason. But I think fans understand that, Give this team a couple of years. Give Matt Rule a couple of years. Because I think Matt Rule is the perfect man for this kind of kind of job. We obviously saw what he did at Temple, and then you've obviously closely followed what he did at Baylor. I mean, he took two two colleges that haven't always been known for their football program. And at the time that Rule took over, these teams were basically doormats of college football, and he turned them into household names. It takes them four years to get Temple from – 10 losses to 10 wins, and it takes them three years to take Baylor from, what, 11 losses to 11 wins and a spot in the Sugar Bowl. So he can turn teams around. And I thought he did a real nice job of getting the coaches and the talent that he needs to make to make this whole thing work. So I've been, I've been targeting 22 
as kind of that year where this team might get back into contention. Because especially when you look at, you know, not just them developing, but I think by 2022 the Saints might fall off a bit because they might be transitioning a new quarterback. Tom Brady's probably going to be out of Tampa Bay by 22, and then who knows what the Falcons are going to be like in 22. So it's not out of the question to say by 22 Carolina could be the best team in the NFC South. You know, obviously that's a ways away, a lot can happen, but this team has the foundation to start being that strong team. And like I said, Matt Rule, I think, is the perfect leader to do this kind of job. Yeah, I can see that as well. Uh, he is, he's that guy. He's, I call him Bob the Builder. You know, he tears it down uh, to the nuts and bolts, and then he builds it up in his image, and you hit it on the head. He did it with Temple. He did it with Baylor. Got him in the Sugar Bowl. And, look, Baylor was in a bad, bad situation when he took over. I mean, on the field, off the field was all bad. He took over, uh, really made him respectable on and off the field and, and did some really good things with him. Uh, again, I, I mentioned it to you before that I really wish him the best. I think he's going to do a good job there in Carolina. Are the are the fans, are they okay with the idea of knowing that, hey, this is going to be probably a, a rough year, maybe even two rough years, but this thing is going to be built up correctly? Yeah, I, I think everybody's pretty much – well aware now they, they've all kind of succumbed to the fact that this is going to be a bad year for Carolina. I mean, there, there's talk that Carolina could be in contention for the number one overall pick in next year's draft. And boy, I mean, if they get the number one pick in next year's draft, then I think this rebuilding project skyrockets because then, oh, look, now you've got Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback. You put in Trevor Lawrence with all this talent and then, you, you know, you get him some weapons because then, who knows, you get the first pick in round one, you get Lawrence, you come back with First pick of round two, maybe one of those receivers are there, a guy like uh, Rashad Bateman or Rondale Moore. You just add talent to this team, and that could speed up the process here. Even if you don't get the number one pick, I think this team could still end up being in contention for a guy like Justin Fields, who would still be a nice dynamic piece to this offense. I mean, you bring in a guy like Justin Fields and pair him with an offensive coordinator like Joe Brady, then I think you start to build something. So, yeah, 2020 is not going to be good. You know, you look at the Panthers' schedule and and who they have to play, it's like a gauntlet, right? Like we mentioned in in the last segment, all the good teams in the AFC West. I mean, all four teams I think are going to be pretty darn good next season, at least offensively. They're going to be really good. And with the way the defense is set up right now for the Panthers, I think they're going to struggle slowing down some of these offenses. Then you get to, you know, the NFC North. You've got some tough opponents there. And then, you know, obviously their own division is going to be very difficult. And then even outside the division, I mean, you know, you face Washington, you've, you're going to face a really good pass rush from the Redskins, and then, you know, this defense obviously will have to be tasked again with stopping Kyler Murray. So not a lot of winnable games on, on this schedule. And like I said, I think Panthers fans have resigned them, themselves to that fact. Uh, so they know it's going to be a long year, but I think they also realize that there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel. Talking right now with host of Locked On Panthers, Bill Rossetti. And you mentioned a couple times there, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned Justin Fields. So with that being said, what are your thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater being there for at least the next couple of years? He got a three-year deal, kind of parlayed mm-hmm. that deal in, in, in New Orleans uh, to a three-year deal. Worth some nice little coin there in Carolina. Are you pretty much uh, sewn to the idea that he is not going to be the franchise guy moving forward? Yeah, I, I've said it. To me, I think the plan is definitely you know a two-year thing because I think they can get out of this contract after two years. I think a lot of the guaranteed money 
comes in the first two years. So definitely not a bad contract. I mean, they're only paying him like $20 million, which, I mean, yeah, when we're talking this kind of money, for people like us, we love that kind of money. But with the quarterback market, $20 million is kind of a drop in the bucket, right? Especially when, you know, Mahomes is probably going to get like $40 million a year. Watson's going to get, you know, 35 or so. Right. So Teddy Bridgewater, look, I'm, I'm definitely fine with him as the quarterback for the first two years. He had the connection with Joe Brady in 2018 with the Saints, so he kind of already has an idea of that kind of offense. And the Panthers went out and got him a bunch of weapons in free agency, right? I mean, I would say, you know, almost half of their free agency moves, at least that's what it feels like, were wide receivers. The biggest one, of course, was Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets. And they kind of got him at a little bit of a bargain, you know, only $10 million a year when Anderson thought he was going to get a lot more money. I mean, he had to wait about a week before he actually signed a contract. So I think he kind of misjudged his own market. Um, So it definitely worked in the Panthers' favor. And that's only a two-year deal. So that I think that was the key, too, with uh, the Panthers' free agency. They didn't really dole out a lot of long-term contracts. I think the, the longest contract they gave, you know, outside of the extension to Christian McCaffrey, but other than that, I think the longest contract they gave out was to Teddy Bridgewater three years. You know, Stephen Weatherly only got two years. Justin Burris got two years. Robbie Anderson got two years. You know, and some of these other guys are only getting one year. So I think that, too, kind of plays into the rebuild. So that tells me, you know, and again, with the contract that Teddy got, I could see this being, you know, a two-year deal. Maybe you bring in a quarterback in 2021. I thought they would draft a quarterback this year. Obviously, they didn't. Um, you know, they did bring in P.J. Walker from the XFL, and I think they seem to really like him. But this is probably a two-year plan, and then you get to the 21 draft. Maybe you take a quarterback there, and then you start kind of continuing to work for the future. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated what their future plans are at the quarterback position after, you know, after Teddy and after we get into 21. Like I said, if they get into a high enough position, they could very well be in play for – for Justin Fields if they don't get the number one pick for Trevor Lawrence. How exciting is it for Matt Rule to bring in Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator? You saw what he did, obviously, in New Orleans with the Saints, he did that. But then at LSU, he was the offensive uh, assistant, uh, you know, analyst up there in the booth and did some real big things. We saw what LSU's offense did. But you look at Teddy Bridgewater, who's familiar with Brady. You look at Christian McCaffrey, who is a do-everything type dude and got that big extension like you mentioned. I mean, that could be exciting as far as – I don't know if it's going to be exciting this year, but maybe even as early as next year, just as far as how dynamic the offense could potentially be. Yeah, and I even mentioned it a bit because uh, I actually ran into him at the Senior Bowl. I actually saw him at Veets. Uh, I think he was eating some wings or something, and he was really cool to talk to. <laughs> and um, – He's excited about Joe Brady. Joe Brady was the guy he wanted. Uh, but it, it seems like, you know, the whole time, ever since Matt Rule was given the head coaching job, it felt like since that time he wanted Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator, and he got it. I mean, look, the guy's like 30 years old, and now he's an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So, you know, props to him. But absolutely, I think with some of the talent you have on this roster, I think Joe Brady's going to have a lot of fun, obviously starting with Christian McCaffrey. I think you can do a lot with him. I mean, we saw how well Clyde Edwards-Elaire looked in that offense, right? right. And, I, and I, he, he was definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite running back to watch in this running back class. I, I was really excited to see where he lands. And, you know, of course he lands with the Kansas City Chiefs right. of all teams. Um, but, I, but, I mean, that's a perfect fit, I think. You know, Andy Reid compared him to he, – he called him a better version of 
Brian Westbrook, which is really scary because Brian Westbrook was pretty damn good when he was with the Eagles. Yeah, but exactly. You so you think about what Joe Brady did with Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and now you think about what he'll have with Christian McCaffrey, because McCaffrey I think has a little bit more weight on him. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Than Edwards-Helaire, so I think Brady, I think Joe Brady can maybe do a lot more with Christian McCaffrey than he did with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Not that, you know, Edwards-Helaire was a bad runner up the middle, but obviously the way McCaffrey's shown he can do it, I think Brady's going to have a lot of fun with him. And then you throw in a guy like DJ Moore, who's very talented, and we'll see what they do with uh, Robbie Anderson. You know, there's there's a lot to work with. And even their two tight ends at LSU, Stephen Sullivan and uh, Thaddeus Moss. They were able to get some production out of him. I'll be curious to see what he's able to get out of Ian Thomas. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to be so fascinating to watch, how he moves all these pieces around, what he does with all these players, and, again, obviously starting with Christian McCaffrey. So th- this is going to be a lot of fun, even in a 2020 year that obviously we expect to be pretty down. But I think that's going to be more due to the defense uh, more so than the offense. I think the offense is still going to be pretty fun to watch regardless. The line's still got some work to do, but the outside talent is definitely there. Well, we're about to get to the defense in just a second, but I had to ask you one more question about Christian McCaffrey. How do the the, the Panthers staff, their coaching staff, how do they go about using him so he's not overused? You know, I mean, last season, uh, the Panthers regime, the old regime, I mean, they just wore him out and, and used him and used him and used him. How does how do they kind of limit his role without limiting his role so that when this team is ready to win, he's still a really, really good back? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it's it's funny they weren't able to limit him last year because even at the Combine last year, Ron Rivera kind of talked about wanting to bring in a back to kind of help limit Christian McCaffrey. And they did draft the running back in the fifth round in Jordan Scarlett, but, oh, Jordan Scarlett saw, like, five carries all season and did, like, nothing with them. You know, Reggie Bonifant saw more time on the field than Scarlett, and even Bonifant didn't see that much time on the field. So, yeah, it was really a lot of wear and tear on Christian McCaffrey. Um, it's it's just a matter, I guess, of, you know, how they're going to game plan with him, and um, it'll be interesting some of the with some of the backs they brought in. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. They brought in an intriguing running back after the draft, and that's Rodney Smith out of Minnesota. Yeah. Rodney Smith was the – Rodney Smith left Minnesota as the second all-time leading rusher in school history, and I believe still has the second highest uh, – or actually the third highest single-season rushing total. The running back that's actually coming back from Minnesota next year has the second highest, uh, Mohamed Ibrahim. Uh, but Rodney Smith, you know, can scoot a little bit. Because I was actually just watching some Minnesota film the other day because I was actually studying Tanner Morgan a little bit, who's another intriguing name to watch at the quarterback position for 2021. But Rodney Smith has the moves to him. And I think I would not be surprised if he gets integrated into this offense a little bit, you know, especially as – you know, I, th- I think you're going to see a lot of him in the preseason, and then I think he's going to work his way into maybe getting some carries and giving McCaffrey that rest that he needs. And, and I think you're going to end up with a, a pretty nice duo. You know, it's kind of kind of he almost might be the unsung hero 
of this offense, you know, if you if you want to put it that way. So that's a name I think for a lot of people to watch right now on, on this Panthers offense is Rodney Smith, the undrafted free agent out of Minnesota. Yeah, I'll definitely be paying attention to him because they do. They got to find a way to keep Christian McCaffrey as, as uh, you know as fresh as possible yeah. without just you know benching them. They're not going to do that. They got exactly. You know, so exactly. Should be very interesting right now talking all things Panthers with a host of Locked On Panthers, Bill Rossetti. You can find him on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. And now I got to get to the defense. And Matt Rule obviously felt he had to get to the defense. Uh, The GM of the Panthers felt they needed to get to the defense all draft long. Picks one through seven, rounds one through seven, all defense. And I feel like on paper they came away with a hell of a draft class. What are your thoughts on the draft class? And who really stood out to you the most as, yeah, that's going to be the guy that I'm really, really most excited about? Yeah, I, I agree, Q. I, I love the draft they had. You know, I love the quote that Trey Wingo had during the draft, and that's the Panthers had to fix the damn defense. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did here. Um, I, I love a bunch of the players. Look, I, I was a big fan of Derek Brown, obviously. I, I was saying the whole time how he fits in really well. You know, I might have gone Isaiah Simmons, but I have no problem with Derek Brown. And I'm more comfortable now with Derek Brown because of the guy that um, is pretty, gonna answer, pretty much going to answer your second question of who I'm really looking forward to, and that's Jeremy Chin, yes. their second-round pick uh, out of Southern Illinois. Jeremy Chin, to me... I've I've consistently been touting him as the discount, and, and I don't even mean to say that in a bad way, but I've been saying a discount Isaiah Simmons, and the reason for that is because Jeremy Chin is can be just as versatile as Isaiah Simmons, but Jeremy Chin has more developing to do. I, I think he's definitely rawer right. than uh, than Isaiah Simmons is. Simmons is definitely going to be ready to play day one. Now, unfortunately, you know, Vance Joseph came out and said he's going to play Isaiah Simmons at linebacker, and I'm thinking, well, why are you pigeonholing him? This whole time we're talking about how he can play all these moves, and now you're going to lock him into – I think you're limiting his potential by doing that. So I'm a little worried uh, what Arizona does with him. Hopefully they expand on that a little bit, but, you know, we'll see. But the fact that the Panthers were able to get Jeremy Chin at the back of the second round, which I thought was a really good value because – Chin, for a short time, had some first-round buzz. You know, there were some people that said, you know, if you ask them, who's the guy that no one's really talking about as a potential first-round pick that could be a first-round pick? Some would say Brandon Ayuk. Some would, would have said, like, Ross Blacklock. But yeah. one name that came up, too, with that on that uh, question was Jeremy Chin. Yeah. And the Panthers get him with the last pick of round two. It only cost them a fifth-round pick, which they had an extra one of anyway. It was the fifth-round pick, actually, that they got from Kyle Allen, or in exchange for Kyle Allen from the Redskins. So it really didn't cost them that much to move up five spots into the back end of round two. So I love what Chin is going to bring to this defense. Um, I I think he's going to be that chess piece that Phil Snow is going to use. And, yeah, overall, I thought they did really well kind of attacking the needs. You know, I I thought they got pretty good value with Yitor Grossmatos in the second round. He's another guy that I thought potentially could have went in first. You know, a team like Seattle could have got him. You know, New England right in front of Carolina I thought could have been a spot for him. So Carolina, you know, getting Yitor Grossmatos to pair with Brian Burns I think is going to be a nice uh, a nice pass rush duo. Troy Prides was one of my favorite players at the Senior Bowl, and I thought the Panthers did a nice job getting him in the fourth round. You know, he's still got some developing to do, but I think he's excited. And it's funny, too. Um, there was a story that came out 
that uh, Troy Pride and uh, Jeremy Chin, I believe it was, were kind of DMing each other, basically saying, like, yeah, let's be on the same team. And sure enough, they <laughs> end up on the same team. So that was really cool. Um, fifth round, they go and they get um, – as I'm drawing a complete blank on – Kenny Robinson. Yes, of course. Thank you. Yeah, Kenny Robinson. Uh, sometimes this quarantine gets to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tell you what, Q, that's definitely a sleeper to watch, too, and, I, and I'm sure you have been following him, too. But for, for those that still might not be that familiar with Kenny Robinson, so Kenny Robinson, of course, came out of West Virginia. Some uh, academic issues came up after the 18th season, and Robinson wound up leaving West Virginia, eventually went to the XFL, played with the uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks, and um, balled out there as well. I mean, he showed some great ball skills at West Virginia. He showed great ball skills at West Virginia. Had two interceptions in the XFL, and remember, the XFL only played five games. Right. So two interceptions in five games is not that bad at all. So I'm really intrigued. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's challenging for playing time almost immediately, because while they signed Justin Burris in uh, in free agency, I really think that safety spot next to Trey Boston is kind of wide open. I fully expect Jeremy Chin and possibly even Kenny Robinson to both really be in contention for that spot. It would not surprise me in a year or two if those are your two starting safeties. So I really liked getting him in the fifth round. You know, again, again it's, he didn't fall because of, you know, his talent. He's very talented. There's right. off-field issues that made him fall. And then they get one of Baylor's boys in the sixth round and Bravion Roy, uh, some real nice depth at the defensive tackle position. Some say he was the best player that wasn't at the combine. Yep. So getting him in the sixth is nice. And in the seventh round, they got an intriguing corner in uh, Stanley Thomas Oliver III out of Florida International, who's only played cornerback for two years. He's actually converted wide receiver, converted the cornerback in 18, um, and already has a second-team All-Conference USA um, award to his name. So for only playing corner for two years, he's kind of adapted to the position really well. So for a seventh-round pick, I think you got yourself um, a nice little project there. So, yeah, top to bottom, I think you have to come away very excited you know, I, I think we could be looking at this draft in a couple of years from now and be like, wow, Matt Rule really hit on his first draft. Because I, I think you're looking at eventually a number of starters out of this draft. Yeah, I do too. I, I would say you look for at least three starters out of the draft. And Derek Brown's clearly a starter. Jeremy Chen, I think he'll work into it. Troy Pride, uh, he'll probably work into it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, Jeremy Chen was my guy. I really wanted the Raiders to find a way to get him. Uh, the Panthers got him, so I thought, okay, well, that's smart, of course. Matt Rule wants that for Phil Snow and that defense. And Bravion Roy, man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you firsthand, that dude's a dog, man. He can get after it. Uh, he was a victim of not going to the combine. He was a victim of not having a pro day. Uh, he did show out at the East-West Shrine game, but that was really all. So uh, he mm-hmm. had a lot of things stacked against him, but his old college coach knew exactly what he brings to the table. So that's a nice little rotation right there. You got Derek Brown. You got Bravion Roy. You got those guys on the defensive line. I think uh, a lot of Panther fans are going to really grow to like uh, Roy a lot as long as he goes and makes that team. And I do think with uh, 
you know, the ability that he has and the work ethic he has, he's going to go ahead and do that. Uh, just really got a, a couple more questions for you, really just one more question. Uh, with all that being said, with everything that's been added to the Panthers, with everything that they're going through, I know you mentioned them as a as a down year in 2020. Uh, as far as the whole NFC South shakes up, you got Brady now in Tampa Bay. The Saints have to be the, the probably the favorite in the division. Uh, you got the Falcons, who to me is always a big question mark. I never know what to expect for them. But how do you see the Panthers shaping up in the NFC South? How do you think they shake out in uh, 2020? Yeah, it, it's it, like I said, it, it's going to be a tough stretch because of all all those teams, right? I mean, it, it's going to be so tough. Again, I, I like the talent on the defense, but I think till they gel together, I think it's going to be tough for for them to kind of slow down that Saints offense. Um, the Buccaneers obviously look scary on offense. I think I thought the mm-hmm. Buccaneers did a really nice job of just pushing all their chips to the table, right? They they did what we felt they wanted to do and what we expected them to do in the first round, and that was go up and get one of those big four offensive tackles, and they, and they did that with Tristan Wirth. So you got that protection uh, for Joe Bra- or for uh, Tom Brady there. Uh, they went on, they signed Joe Haig in free agency. Um, you know, you still have Donovan, Donovan Smith there. They added Tyler Johnson in the fifth round, which I, I love that pick. I think now you've got three really good wide receivers. That, that's going to be one of the best wide receiver trios, I think, in the NFL. And then, like you said, the, the Falcons are always a question mark, but um, we, we know this is, this is definitely a make-or-break year. You know, they, uh, they saved Dan Quinn once by going on that strong run in the second half of last season, but if, if they don't carry that momentum over to this year, then Dan Quinn's out of there. So they're going to be fighting hard. Um, ultimately, yeah, I, I do expect the Panthers to finish last in this division again. You know, this might be uh, it might be a similar record to next year. Maybe they can squeak out to seven wins. But other than that, it's like I said earlier, I mean, they're, they're facing a lot of good offenses this year that's, that are really going to test their new-look defense. You know, again, you're, you're running through the AFC West, so you're facing – Four really good defenses, or four really good offenses there, and really four really good defenses there too. I mean, that that's going to be a dogfight, I think, in that division. Um, the NFC North is, is always going to be tough. You know, the, the Packers are, are should be a strong team again. The Vikings should be a bit better. Uh, the Browns are going, or the yeah, the Browns. Excuse me. The Bears are going to be intriguing with uh, you know what they do at the quarterback position, and, and even the Lions. You know, again, make or break year with. Uh, with Matt Patricia, so there, there's a lot of tough games on this on this schedule. Um, they're certainly going to fight hard. Listen, tanking to me, I, I hear people talk about tanking with some teams. It's so tough to tank in, in the NFL. Right. If the, if the Miami Dolphins couldn't do it, then no team can really do it. You know, the Browns the year they went 0 and 16. That's just because they were a bad team. They, right. they 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 didn't try to lose all those games. They lost all those games because they sucked. The Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Yeah, they were a bad roster, but listen, that's a credit to what Brian Flores was as a head coach, doing a fantastic job getting that team to five wins, and they still got Tua. The right. tank to Tua actually worked, even though they didn't tank. They got five wins, and they still got Tua. So listen, tanking to me is overrated. I don't think the Panthers are going to do it, but I still think they're going to struggle to get to seven, seven or eight wins. So I think they're probably picking top ten again in the draft next year, and then it's going to be really interesting if they try to make some moves to move up and get Justin Fields, or if they get a top player at another position, whether it's Jamar Chase out of LSU, whether it's uh, Greg Rousseau out of Miami, whether it's uh, Penny Sewell or one of the top tackles. 
I, th- I think they are still going to be set up to really have a lot of good options going into 2021. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Like, if Matt Rule's, uh, you know, track history uh, says anything, it, it shows that he'll be he'll be solid in year three. Uh, I think that the Panthers, as long as the fans and, and, and the, you know, ownership and everybody, they're, they're willing to, to, you know, wait it out and realize that he's got a plan and he's working on something, it's going to be all right. Like I said, he's proven that he can do it. I, I know it's been in the college level. I think he'll be able to do it on the NFL level as well. I have a lot of confidence in him, and I'll definitely be paying attention to what's going on with the Carolina Panthers and Coach Matt Rule. Well, Bill, this has been really good, man. It's been a lot of good information, very informative. Um, I, I don't know, you know, when the, the Raiders and, and the Panthers are going to square up. The schedule doesn't come out till the end of the week. But uh, whenever it is, man, it should be a fun matchup. And I definitely look forward to talking to you a little bit more about the, the matchup down the line. Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Great to finally get to work with you here and definitely looking forward to working with you uh, when we get to the regular season. Hopefully we have some sort of uh, semblance of a regular season. Like you said, who knows when the Panthers and the Raiders are going to get together. But, uh, yeah, just uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, again, definitely looking forward to talking to you again, man. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.